Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So God, this is incredible, but God wants to have the same relationship with us that he has with Jesus. Okay, let's uh, let's look at the Bible for a minute. Who? Let's all open up to Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four, verse six. All right, let's do the version where we all read it at the same time. Three, two, one. So again, because, because you, you guys, his God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to crying, God, us guys. Oh, now us tell God, Daddy, you my father. Wait, it said Daddy in the you my father. I really like that though, because so that's then, because like, you guys, his kids, God put the spirit from his boy inside us guys. For now, us tell God, Daddy, you my father. So maybe just Daddy, one person now. Now that we have that uh, symphonic version, if, if if one individual would volunteer to read it, that'd be great. And because you're a son, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." Great. So uh, most of us. You know, at some point, if we've been in the church a while, we've heard that Abba is the Arabic word for dad. So this is uh, the Bible telling us that God put his spirit into our hearts so that we could call God our dad, our daddy, or papa. Like whatever colloquial way there is of addressing your father, um, in Aramaic, it was this word Abba. It meant like daddy, dad. And... That's the spirit that God has put into us. And I think it, that's really important to recognize because sometimes like that could maybe kind of feels like, oh, that's just a trend or that's just kind of someone trying to be cute about how they pray. But this is born out of the heart of God for us is to be able to call him dad, to be able to have this really close, tight, intimate near relationship with him the same that a little kid would call out to their father like that's the kind of access that god has given to us and i want you to think for a minute what price did god pay for us to be able to have this access he died on the cross paid with his son yeah yeah god gave god the father gave his son jesus paid with his own life. And what does that tell us about God's desire for us to call him Abba? That he yeah. like really desires to have that relationship with us. Yeah, that he's exactly right. That he really desires to be close to us and to be, to be reconciled to us. I read one Catholic writer said, God's main goal is to be in communion with his creation. That God, from the moment that Adam and Eve rebelled against him, he had a plan. And before he even created Adam and Eve, he had a plan. Even if things, you know, he knew that if this creature rebelled against him, that he had a way to reconcile the creation back to him. And that it was always his desire to be near to his creation and to have his creation trust him and have this closeness 
with him and that he was willing to do anything literally to preserve it and to restore it when it was broken and so this isn't you know the idea that we call god daddy or that he's our abba he's our our close uh, father is not something born out of kind of pop culture or pop christianity it's rooted deep in the eternal purpose of god that this is what he wanted and so like i i still when i pray i still don't call god daddy it's just it's too it's hard for me to think about having that kind of nearness and it's almost like this informalness with with god uh so i've you know i will use the word abba sometimes and use the word father all the time but you know sometimes it feels just kind of when i hear somebody praying and they're able to call god dad um it it almost makes me uncomfortable it's such a level of closeness and familiarity and yet this is what god god puts his holy spirit into us so that we could cry abba so that we could call him dad and that's the desire like the spirit of his son is in our hearts crying abba because that's the relationship that jesus had with god look real quickly at mark chapter 14 can someone read Verse 36. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. You need this cup for me. But not what I will, but you will. Yeah, so this is uh, coming from the heart of Jesus at his most critical time. And this is what Jesus calls God. He calls him Abba, calls him Dad. And now in Galatians, it says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So God, this is incredible, but God wants to have the same relationship with us that he has with Jesus. And God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And Jesus talks about that in John 17 when he's praying that you have loved them as you have loved me. And that's amazing that even though we are sinful and we're messed up and we're tainted with so much corruption, yet God doesn't count that against us. And God sent Jesus to take that sin so that we could be to him righteous, so that our punishment goes on to Christ and Christ gives us his righteousness. So not now, not just so that we could kind of, we, we don't have to go to hell. It's not just we don't have to go to hell and God makes us, you know, like servants in his house. It's that we get to be his children and we get to have the same uh, inheritance that Jesus has. So the Bible says that we're co-heirs with Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter 8 from uh, Romans 8 from verse 15 to verse 17. Who can read that? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself is himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Yeah. So not only did God bring us into his house, like it would have been really nice of God just to have paid the price for our sin. And now we don't have to go to hell, um, but you'll come into my house and you'll, you'll be my servants. But God didn't just bring us into his house as servants. He brought us back and reconciled to him as his children, adoption as sons. 
by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so that spirit of adoption is what God has put into our heart. And we're not, we're not slaves. We're not orphans. We're not, you know, servants in God's house, though, you know, it's a delight. It's a joy to serve God. But God has given us the status of being sons, being sons and not only sons, but also heirs and not only heirs, but also fellow heirs with Christ. So what Jesus inherits, we also get the honor of inheriting. It says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And, you know, everyone in this life, everyone will walk through some kind of suffering. And that suffering may be hardship for if we go to take the gospel to people and they don't accept it, they don't appreciate us, they persecute us, they hurt us physically, they put us in jail. It could be that kind of hardship. But every believer will suffer in some way because the Bible talks about that Christ suffered when he was tempted. And so sometimes our suffering, sharing in Christ's sufferings is uh, overcoming the temptation and not just giving into the temptations that come with having a physical body. It says that Christ was tempted in every way, but without sin. So we likewise, we suffer when we are walking in this body, when we're tempted in the flesh, and yet we choose to put to death our own desires and our own flesh and the things that would pull us away from God. And we get to inherit everything that Christ inherits. So when God brings us into his house, it's not as his servants, it's not as his slaves, it's as as his sons. And when anyone becomes, like when there's a son in a royal family, that son not only has the honor of being born into a family, but he also has that responsibility. Earlier, Paulo was saying how how proud he was, even though he doesn't boast in front of our group uh, very often, but he was so like proud of parking the car because it was such a responsibility. To have a responsibility as a son is an honor, and it it's something to to be sought after. It's something to be desired. Like sometimes we think that oh, I'd rather you know if my life just didn't have any responsibility and I could just take it easy all day. That would be a great life. But the truth is just taking it easy all day actually is a pretty miserable life because we were created for purpose. We were created to have meaning in our lives and to do something meaningful with our lives. And meaning and meaningful things require having responsibility and they require being a responsible person with authority. And so it's better, like Paulo, I think would probably say, you know what, it's even though parking the car is a lot of responsibility, but I, I like having that responsibility. I like being entrusted with this. It's better than my father not trusting me with any responsibility. If our parents won't trust us with responsibility, it's because we are too immature and we haven't grown up enough. And so likewise, when we come into God's house, like we start off, of course, we all, you know, there's a, a growth process and we start off as, as babes in Christ, but there should be uh, a maturing that happens in our lives to a point where we become trustworthy and God gives us responsibilities and we begin to represent his government, just as if a king who had a son or a king who had a family of sons, all of those sons in a royal family would be responsible for representing the government and for taking care of different parts of their administration of, you know, like you look at some of these uh, Middle Eastern 
families where there's uh, probably the, you know, the sultan or the king or the sheik or whatever title he uses, but, you know, probably has multiple wives. And so he ends up, you know, with dozens of children and these children all end up working in the royal government, working for the royal family. And they all have responsibilities that they're supposed to carry out in the family. And if you think of a, like a good son, hopefully that's a son who wants to take care of his father's kingdom and he wants to care for the people in the kingdom. And if you think of a bad son or a bad royal son, that that would be a son who just wants to use the kingdom resources to have a luxurious lifestyle for himself, only cares about his own pleasure and his own comfort and his own entertainment and isn't really concerned with the, the other citizens of the kingdom, but just wants to focus on himself. And I think likewise, as we mature, the Bible says that we should all be maturing to become more and more like the image of Jesus. So Jesus is what God is making us into. And as we mature, we learn how to walk both in the character of Jesus with love and compassion and kindness and gentleness, but also in the power of Jesus, where we're able to administrate the kingdom of God. And we can do the things that Jesus did. Let's look over in John real quick. John 14, 12. Who can read that? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Great. So as we grow up into Christ, we're supposed to be doing the same works that Jesus did. And we're supposed to be representing God's government. We're the, the emissaries the ambassadors, if you will, were the representatives of God's government of the kingdom of God. And we're supposed to be representing his kingdom on the earth so that people can see what what he's like. So it's like um, when a king wanted to show in, in ancient times, you know, if a king wanted to impress another nation, he would send the treasures of that nation out to display and examples of the culture of their nation, maybe the music or the dance or the, you know, the valuables, the jewels, or, or perhaps their, you know, in, like in the case of China, their ability to make silk and make gunpowder and like the fine things that their culture had been able to develop. Well, God, he wants to represent his government to us and he sends us Jesus. And he says, look, this is what life in my kingdom is like. It's, it's represented by my son. And in my son, he's, he's loving, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's patient. There's no sickness in my kingdom. There's no demonic oppression in my kingdom. There's no sin in my kingdom. Jesus goes around forgiving people's sins. And so God sends Jesus to represent his kingdom to humanity. And then Jesus turns around to his disciples and says, as the father sent me, so now I am sending you. And so Jesus then sends his disciples as the representatives of his kingdom. In John 20, 21, Jesus says, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so now Jesus is sending us saying, okay, just, just like I represented the kingdom to you guys, I want you guys to go and represent the kingdom to the rest of the world. And of course, the, his apostles did that. And we read about that in Acts. And now for 2000 years, we have this beautiful gospel, this beautiful good news about the kingdom of God coming to earth, and it's been passed down to us. And along the way, it certainly picked up a lot of baggage, some things that don't have anything to do with Jesus. But hopefully the core of the message is still that Jesus Christ is God's son, 
and that through him, we can have a relationship with God and we can experience the goodness of his kingdom now and for all of eternity. And so I wanted to encourage you as part of uh, homework. I don't know that I've ever given homework in Manthanos double slash Kairos. Maybe I have once or twice, but it's been a long time. And so as homework, though, for, for this week, I would like you to think about one person that you can represent the government of God to. Someone who can you represent the kingdom of God to? Because this is a, a problem that I have I have had, and I still have, but like, sometimes I want to do something huge. Like I want to change the whole world. I want to take the gospel to all of China. And sometimes in my ambition to do something really, really big, I forget that that has to happen one person at a time. Like an example in my life right now that I I've realized like where we're living, there's a lot of Indian immigrants and there's a group a handful of people from Nepal. And I'm like, man, I want to, I want to reach out to all these Nepali people. And just thinking about how can we get, you know, how can we reach all of these Nepalese people in the Dallas area? And today I just realized, well, there's a, there's an Indian guy who lives, you know, just like five houses down from us. What if, I mean, he's not Nepali, but I, what if I just start and meet him and invite his family over for dinner instead of like trying to figure out some strategy where I can meet hundreds of Nepali people. Why don't I just start small and, and just love the one. And so like, I'm trying to be more intentional and more deliberate in saying, you know what, instead of trying to change the world and not doing anything, maybe I can just focus on one person and do something small, but trust that that's how the kingdom of God expands. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts off small and then it grows and it becomes this tree that provides shade for all the animals. And so I'd like you to pick one person and I don't want you to tell anyone. I don't want you to tell that person, hey, uh, I got to do this thing for my youth group. So uh, I'm supposed to represent the kingdom of God to you. So like, hi, you know, like what do you have any prayer requests? No, like I want you to be a little more proactive and ask for the Holy Spirit's help and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm picking, you know, this person. Please give me wisdom to know how I can represent the kingdom of God to that person. And then, you know, whatever idea pops in your head, maybe you need to make them a meal. Maybe you give them a gift. Maybe you just invite them to go hang out. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it'll be, but like, let's be, those people who, so there's a, there's this pattern, right? Or there's this progression, maybe is a better way to say it, that there's this intimacy with God that we, we call God Abba, that we have a father, like this close daddy father connection with God. And, and depending on what our experience has been with our earthly fathers, some of us, for some people, that's a really powerful, good thing. And for some people, that's a real negative thing. You know, if someone has had a father who abandoned them and beat them and uh, was not kind to them, calling God father, uh, they may not see, um, that may be really hard for that person. But we have to realize God's not an earthly father because all of our earthly fathers are flawed. They're all sinful human beings and they've all done things wrong. But God is perfect and he's the perfect father. He's the perfect loving father. And so he doesn't have all the faults and failures that our earthly fathers do. But anyway, so we start with this place of closeness, this place of intimacy with God. And then out of that place of intimacy, we become mature sons 
and we begin to represent God's government and God's kingdom to the people around us. And let me just say one word on the fear of man. If we could look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Can someone read that? Proverbs 29, 25. El miedo a los hombres es una trampa, pero el que confía en el Señor estará protegido. So when we're afraid of people, it, it brings a trap. It, it brings a snare, it says. It, it catches us. It paralyzes us. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's a Psalm, Psalm 25, 15. He says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net or out of the trap, out of the snare. So the fear of man is a snare, but if we will put our eyes on God, we won't have to be fearful of people. But sometimes why we're, why we hesitate to reach out to people or to show love to people is because we're afraid of being rejected and we're afraid, oh, what would that person think of me? And I just wanted to remind us all that what someone else thinks about us only has as much power over us as we allow it to have. You know, people's opinions of us only have as much power as we give them. <clears throat> and so if we really, if we put a lot of value and esteem onto what this person says about me or this person thinks about me, then we're going to be really stressed out. We're going to be really anxious and we're going to be uh, really trying to do whatever we can to make that person happy and to please that person. But if we're really free in God and we realize, well, God accepts me, you know, and I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not like a holy, you know, flawless person, but nevertheless, God accepts me and Jesus has paid the price for my sin. And so I'm not going to let anyone else's opinion about me control me or, you know, cause me to live in fear or keep me from doing the things that I know that God has called me to do. So we just, when it comes to fear of man and when it comes to what other people have to say about us or what other people think of us, we just, <laughs> it, it just shouldn't matter that much to us. You know, what any person says about us, when any person thinks about us, only God can tell us who we really are. And if you could take anything away from this youth group, I would hope that the one thing or one of the things that you would take away is only God can tell you your identity, not even your parents, not your best friends. The only person who can tell you who you really are is God. And when we put esteem and emphasis on God's opinion of us, then what other people think of us, I don't think will matter to us that much. So that's where I want to leave us tonight. I want you to think about what it means to call God Abba, what it means to call God your dad. That last song, um, that song Abba, is the guy said that he wrote it out of this uh, book by Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning is an author and he wrote a book called Abba's Child. And in the book, one of the exercises, you know how you read a Christian book and then they have exercises in the back to try and help you put things into practice. Well, one of the exercises in the book was this prayer called the Abba prayer. And he said, you would breathe, when you breathe in, you say the word Abba. And then when you exhale and you breathe out, you say, I belong to you. And that was this prayer that this author, Brennan Manning, wrote in this book. And so he was practicing this exercise of breathing in and saying, Abba, when he breathed in. And when he exhaled, he would say, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And then out of that exercise, he wrote that song. But just the idea that we have been given this access to God, this relationship with God that was so 
important to him that he was willing to let his son die for it. And so this is how important this is to God. And he's given it to us. And then as we walk in that relationship, we have the honor and the responsibility and the joy of representing his government to the world. And so I'd encourage you to pick someone out, have a target, and don't expect anything in return. And just know that God sees and that God will reward you and try and serve that person and try and represent. Remember when Jesus came to represent the kingdom of heaven, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for all man. So Jesus came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom. So the best way that you can represent the kingdom of God to someone is to love them and to serve them. In uh, Ephesians chapter five, when Paul's exhorting the husbands, he says, husbands, love your wives the same way that Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. And so likewise, if we want to love people, if we want to represent God's government to them, there's like this part of surrendering of self. And I think there is some suffering that goes with that too, to surrender our own ego, to make ourselves the servant of somebody else requires us being humble. There's a brother who discipled my father and he would say, I don't have anyone, I don't have a problem with anyone calling me a servant of God. He said, I just don't like it when they treat me like a servant. And so like, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, we all want to be servants of God. It's another thing to be really willing to let people treat you like a servant and to put others before you and to say, you know what? I'm not that important. My ego doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus and I get to be in relationship with him. And it's my joy to represent him to the world by laying my life down and serving other people, even if it means I don't get to have their approval or they make fun of me or, or anything else. Does anyone have any uh, comments on that or any questions, anything you'd like to share? Um, I actually have a friend that I've like kind of, I don't know, I've been trying. She, she was a Christian. Actually, I guess Hudson's not here, but he would know her. Well, at least she grew up in a Christian family, but I think she has kind of been falling away. And um, she was like one of the girls who would come to our meetings and like, Thailand and stuff and I've been kind of um trying to like reach out to her just probably like talking to her normally and stuff and I want to be like a good witness to her but I just don't really know what it means to be like that and at this point I'm kind of just talking to her I don't know how to actually like I don't know reach out to her you know what I mean mm. so any advice <laughs> Does anyone have any advice for Natalie? Natalie, you're kind of talking about like um, you didn't get how like exactly what good witness was. And I had like, I didn't understand that for a long time, like witness, but witness like how or what. And so like, I kind of just went back to like the definition or like what exactly it means. It's basically like, well, witnessing is like being a representative. And then what are we representing? We're representing Jesus. And so when you put bring it down to that, it's like clear, like, okay, if we're representing Jesus, we're trying to be like him. Yeah. And so, but then it comes down to like the practical of like, how do we um, put that into daily life and daily talk? And that's just like, uh, I don't know, something that's more difficult. Yeah. I, just, I feel like all I know is like to try and be the best example, <laughs> but and like, just hope that maybe she can see that 
even though like none of us are perfect that we do have like I don't know joy being able to know him maybe she can see that I don't know it's also are you hard. guys living in the same area um no but I mean we talk a lot on Instagram but that's another thing you know if you don't actually see them then it's also a little different but I don't know. yeah yeah, like, the thing is, sometimes, like, if you don't know what to say to somebody, and, like, uh, you don't want to mess up, right, and you don't want to say the wrong thing, uh, I think, I guess, instead of pre-planning something to say, I mean, I guess that's good and stuff, but uh, we also have to remember that, like, a lot of the times when the disciples were teaching, their teachings came from God, right? Like, uh, the Holy Spirit told them what to say, and I think... Uh, because every moment is different, right? So I think since the Holy Spirit is the wisest and he knows exactly what you should say in the time uh, that you're saying it, I think the best thing would be to uh, not like rely on your own intellect or try and rationally think of something that you think would be a good thing to say, but to just like, you know, trust in God to uh, say something that'll be a blessing and that would be encouraging. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess I, I can trust I that like it will bring a moment where I like that can happen. I think that also if you're just being a good friend to her, that's also a way of witnessing. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to do, but I just don't know if it's going anywhere, you know. It's really hard over social media. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think the small things on how you treat her. Like, for example, here in Mexico, like, um, I've realized that there's, like, a lot of betrayal, like, between, like, people and, like, friends, especially, like, teenagers. And it's just, like, so sad. They're, like, like, I was talking to this one girl, and she's, like, I don't even have friends. Like, I used to be, like, friends with this girl, but then she did this. And so it's, like, you know, like, one thing is, like, in this case, I realized, like, being loyal to my friends, like, that's, like, a big difference. Like, being sincere in, in my relationships and, like, always, like, wanting the best for them and, like, not just like trying to get stuff from them, but actually like giving and trying to be like selfless, like Jesus would. And I think that like here, that's like a big difference. And also like with um, some of my neighbors, like they uh, sometimes ask about my dad's health. And so they're like, how's your dad doing? Blah, blah. And um, I'm like, well, um, bad, but good. <laughs> bad because like his situation isn't getting better, um, but good because, well, um, like the Lord is like giving him strength and like he's still here and um, he's like you know like we still have hope right and so sharing that like hope mm. yeah sorry it didn't kick me out I hope you guys got that I, th I think we got I think we got it yeah, it kind of cut out at the end, but I think, like, I understand, like. I think sometimes, Natalie, as awkward as it is, um, I've had friends walk away from the faith. And, yeah, sometimes it's just, like, really hard to know even what to say. But sometimes I just, you know, you just kind of got to take a plunge and just be like, so what's up between you and, and God? You know, like, it just seems like, like, do you, 
what do you, you know, where, where are you with the Lord? And it's like a really awkward question. But what I found in, in this, in the scenarios that I'm thinking of with my friends, like I, not once did any of those guys. And it's probably been with like, I don't know, three guys come to mind, but maybe I could think of more. So of those three guys, when I would be very direct with them, no one got like super offended. Like, don't talk to me about that. Forget about that stuff. Like, because they knew it was important to me. And so it's like, well, if we're really friends, like, yeah, I'm going to care about you, but there, hopefully there's some, there's something reciprocal there and, and they care about what I care about. And so like, even if they don't believe, they know that that's still really important to me. And like, I really care about what, what they believe. And so like, they were all really open with me and they said, Hey, look, man, this is where I'm at, you know? And 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 some of them have come back around to 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 having faith and one in particular you know i don't i don't know that he'll ever come back to having faith but they were never offended you know when i just kind of it was kind of stumbled into an awkward question like so man tell me about like what your relationship with god is like now or what you believe right now so you you know there might be a time just to take that awkward plunge and if it offends her then you know, as long as you're acting in love, I think it's it's not the end of the world to offend people because it's yeah. born out of a place of concern. Yeah. And like when when I did see her whenever we were in Thailand and stuff, she really did look it wasn't like she was super against God. It just looked like she was really confused, you know. So I do think there's like something there. I don't know. Yeah. And she may want someone, you know, that she can be honest with and just be like, oh, you know, I just don't know if this is real. And so to provide a place where she can, you know, she can express her doubts or her questions and, you know, not feeling like you have to have all the answers, but maybe you say, well, you know what? I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll like, what if we look together, you know, and, and I'll talk to my dad or my mom or, you know, my youth pastor or whoever. and I can, we can kind of try and tackle these questions together. If, if that were a case, you know, if she, if she had questions that she felt like were unanswered or whatever. Yeah. Thanks for the advice, everybody. <laughs> so could you go over the homework assignment again? Was it so basically just pick one person and. Excuse me. Yeah. The homework is to pick one person to represent God's government to. So you're going to represent the kingdom of God to one person this week and you don't have to tell them that's what you're doing. You don't have to announce it and it can be very subtle. It can be anonymous. Maybe pray about it before you do it and see if the Holy Spirit will give you an idea. But uh, just look for a way to represent what, <clears throat> what God is like. All right. Got it. Any other questions or, or comments about uh, the verses we looked at tonight. This morning, I actually read, oh, yeah, um, I read first John 13, 15. It says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I actually read that this morning. And also I feel like something that God has been teaching me this last week is that I should work on how I love my family also mm. and start with my family instead of just going straight out to other people i need to start with my family and how i interact with my family members and spend time with them and 
stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, your family should should definitely be within the <laughs> possibilities of people that God may want you to represent him to. Yeah, I think sometimes like the way you interact with your family can really show like, I don't know, maybe like you're true. <laughs> like, I don't know, like you, like, you know, when you first meet somebody, you might like think one way about them, but then you can just see how they interact with their family. And it really kind of tells a lot about a person sometimes. So it's good to be mindful of how we are with them, even though it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul Paul tells us that uh someone who won't look after their family is worse than an unbeliever. All right, I'm going to sign y'all into rooms and let's take some time and pray for each other, share some prayer requests, and then we can come back here. Y'all can keep chatting. We can be done. Here we go. Blow.